0: This is PsyX, the systemic psychedelic podcast. Welcome and hello to a new episode of our podcast. My name is Tanja Schumann and today I will speak to Jordan Bates about the potential of psychoactive technologies to facilitate system change. Let me first give a little bit of background. Humans as a species are facing complex global challenges. At SciEx, we are exploring how psychoactive technologies can be the missing puzzle piece to address these challenges, especially when applied in the fields of leadership, innovation and global systems. By psychoactive technologies, we mean both endogenous means, such as meditation and breathwork, and exogenous means, such as psychedelic substances and neurostimulation. We're especially fascinated by psychedelics because of the recent upsurge of public attention and scientific research in relation to these compounds. Our guest today is Jordan Bates. Jordan is the founder of Refine the Mind and co-owner of High Existence. He mentors creators and entrepreneurs to reclaim power, manifest aligned abundance and become awakened leaders he's infinitely curious about how we can liberate ourselves on every level to realign with our highest joy thereby contributing to the liberation of consciousness on earth and beyond welcome to our podcast and i'm very glad that you're on here <laughs>
1: yeah thank you for having me
0: and yeah i mean the overall topic as i've already mentioned is that we're talking about psychoactivating system change, and so, I mean, if we talk about system change, the assumption is that there's something wrong with the system, and that's why we need to change, and that there are some challenges that we're facing. And I think, why don't we start there, and I'd be curious to hear from your side, what do you think are the largest issues that we're facing, and what do you think, why is system change potentially something that's needed?
1: Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. So I immediately think of Charles Eisenstein's work. Um, He, I think, has a really great framework for understanding where we're at. And he talks about how for kind of several millennia, humanity has gone down this path of exploring kind of a story of separation is what he calls it. Our underlying mythology has been one largely based on this idea of kind of egoic, domination competition separation um division and this kind of um winner loser game dynamic like different groups trying to dominate other groups and and kind of win the global competition for resources and rather than seeing that as a tragic misstep he sees that as an important part of humanity's evolutionary process kind of a. A process of self-discovery and, and exploring um, what could be uncovered through that, and through that, you know, we've uncovered untold technological marvels and many other things. But we're reaching a point where that trajectory has become unsustainable because um, now we're gaining exponential technology. We're unlocking. Um, Weapons of mass destruction and other technologies that could be used for nefarious, terrible global catastrophic purposes. And so if we continue with the same dynamics of separation and rivalry and division um, and competition, we're likely to mishandle this technology and um, destroy ourselves or decimate ourselves or send ourselves back to the Stone Age. And so we're kind of in the midst of humanity being summoned to undergo some kind of phase shift into a new story um and Eisenstein calls this the story of reunion or the story of interbeing where we where we remember that we um are fundamentally one that we're not fundamentally separate that we're all connected and we devise systems that are based on collaboration and cooperation and partnership And a really good way to encapsulate this is um, the philosopher Daniel Schmachtenberger likes to say that we're gaining the power of gods through technology, through exponential technology. But without the love and wisdom and care of gods, we'll self-destruct because our technology is getting so great. And if we don't have the wisdom and the love to wisely handle this technology, um, then we're, we're playing with fire. And it's likely that we'll, um, mishandle it. And so we're, we're kind of seeing that right now we've, we've been seeing for decades kind of mounting crises in the form of, um, you know, the global ecological crisis and, um, the meaning crisis, kind of a vacuum of meaning and a lot of people feeling, feeling lost. There's, there's like a, yeah a convergence of crises happening, which, um, which are, yeah, suggesting that, that this story of separation is kind of reaching its, its logical conclusion and that something else, um, something else needs to be born in its place. So that's, yeah, that's kind of the general framework. Within which I think about what's happening, just as a, a natural evolutionary progression. Where, yeah, we're kind of it's it's almost like we're reaching a point where we're starting to have an almost like species level panic response. Um, I think I first heard Vinay Gupta use that term, where people are just, and it's especially kind of a poignant term at the moment given the whole uh, coronavirus situation, because this is this is really. An example of a large-scale kind of panic response to a um, a disaster scenario, and we're seeing so we're seeing people gradually waking up to the unsustainable condition in which we're living, and um, realizing that there's some fundamental reorientation or course correction uh, that is needed. So that's I think that answers your question, hopefully. <laughs> mm, yeah.
0: Yeah. Actually what I find interesting about that is that there's also a quote by um Martin Luther King that he's kind of saying um, if the technological development is faster than our moral development, we will end up with guided missile missiles or missiles, um and misguided men. Which mm. I think is kind of <laughs> mm-hmm. logic, right? Um but I would be maybe you can even say a bit more about what you think of the Western technology that we're using to solve the issues, and if you think that you know I'm both with the, in terms of the global crises in general and also corona, if you think that's getting us anywhere possible mm.
1: how do you mean the the Western technology that we're using to
0: so i mean the um I mean anything from really um the internet, which, uh, because you were also Mm -hmm. talking about separation, right? So you could argue the internet is actually creating Mm -hmm. a lot of connection, or you could say, well, we have Western technologies like Western medicine, and that is arguably providing solutions to the Mm crisis. So, you know, what exactly is it about that that's Mm. not enough?
1: Yeah, that's a good point, or a good question. Um, So, in the West right now, we kind of have this... um, this monoculture, this almost like monotheism of of scientism where people have we, – we've really put science on a pedestal in the present – we've put the present scientific orthodoxy on a pedestal and a lot of people kind of bow down and and worship science as, as the new gospel, you know. Oh, let the scientists figure it out. Let the guys in the white lab coats figure it out and um, we'll just listen to them and and we're seeing this right now with uh with the response to coronavirus it's it's astounding how many people are simply not questioning at all these sweeping global mandates this this massive global lockdown which is you know itself causing sending an enormous kind of shockwave of psycho spiritual harm throughout the global populace but people are in large part um, just willing to unquestioningly obey these kind of mandates because they're coming directly from this um, ideology of Western medicine, of of scientism that's saying, look, we're, we're the experts. We figured this out. Um, this is the best thing to do. And I'm not necessarily saying that it's not the best thing to do, but it is alarming that there aren't m- – that there don't seem to be more people questioning <clears throat> how these sweeping – Changes and, the, and this, this sweeping phenomenon of the populace just standing in line um, could be uh, capitalized on by, by actors that don't have the best interest of the masses in mind and want to restrict civil liberties and restrict rights and things like this. So, I guess one of the one of the issues that we're facing is that there is this kind of this kind of new religion. Of scientism, and and there's a lot of people just willing to outsource all authority and all sense making to this small group of external figures. But I think if we if we really want to develop the the collective intelligence and the level of collective collaboration that we're going to need to skillfully navigate the waters ahead, then we need to actually stop outsourcing all wisdom and authority and sense making to a small group of experts experts many of whom you know very well may be well very well are bought and sold by you know wealthy uh, wealthy actors and corrupt actors and things like this we need to engage in our own sense making because when you really when you do start to dig into western medicine and especially when you have certain experiences with psychedelics with with ayahuasca and you and you see how these these ancient healing modalities actually go down and address the root of certain of, of depression or of anxiety or or of different symptoms that people are having. They how these things can go down and actually work with the person's individual, holistic kind of story and being to heal the root of certain things and, and give such a deep reset that the person can almost feel reborn anew. And people look 10 years younger and their eyes are glowing with the light of childhood. And you compare, you compare that miraculous healing outcome with Western medicine's tendency to view sickness and illness as like, Oh, your machine is broken. We need to, you know, put some oil here. We'll just, the, the go-to prescription is just to give people some some kind of pills some kind of poorly studied poorly understood pills that we've devised and synthesized within the last just only few decades that haven't been time tested across centuries and when you when you compare that approach which is being driven by a trillion dollar global pharmaceutical industry and you look at how people often with that approach they become kind of a shell of their former selves they just kind of become like numbed out going through the motions it's it's like the the symptoms have just been numbed so that they can continue with normal life it's it starts to become very apparent when you look deeply at these things that the that the dogmatic Western scientism approach is quite a surface level approach based on this, um, very kind of Newtonian mechanistic view of nature where we can just quantify everything and divide nature up into its component parts and just conquer it and dominate it by understanding precisely how to rearrange things that doesn't, um, yeah, that, that doesn't work so well. We're just, we're, we're numbing people out so that they can continue with a status quo that is actually, again, a status quo that is based on a story of separation and and that is, is rapidly becoming, um, self-terminating, obsolete, something that, that actually needs to shift. So my current understanding is that a lot of people are manifesting symptoms of depression or anxiety or, Bipolar or whatever it is because their systems their psycho spiritual energetic systems on a deep level are actually responding to the this present historical moment and and Kind of sounding an alarm and saying some something is wrong here something something is not right something something about this environment that I'm in is not meshing well with what I am and and, it, and it's actually – it's it's kind of like a smoke alarm going off saying, hey, there's a fire. But instead of looking at the fire, which is the fact that the entire <clears throat> structure of Western civilization is actually unsustainable and not aligned with humanity's deep nature, um, we just try to turn off the smoke alarm in Western medicine. We just say, oh, oh oh, it's okay. You just have a chemical imbalance. We'll just give you a few pills here and we'll cure that right up. Whereas, yeah, that approach just becomes laughable when you, when you work with plant medicines that actually go down and heal the deep root and you see some of the astounding outcomes that people can have. So yeah, we're really, um, what we're up against is a a kind of dogmatic leviathan of the current Western scientific orthodoxy. And it's not to say that we want to throw the baby out with the bathwater and get rid of everything that's been extremely useful and valuable from um, the pursuit of Western science thus far. We need to find a synthesis, but right now so many people are not even seeing the enormous blind spots and dysfunction in scientism and in um you know in this example we're using the western the western medical paradigm and this is why we need we need on a large scale to activate ourselves as sense making agents and as students of nature and actually reclaim our own power and our own authority to to discern our own wisdom and share that and become active uh nodes in this global collective intelligence rather than just outsourcing it all to other humans who are in the grips of ideology and money Um, Mm. so yeah
0: Mm, so many points that i would really like to touch on that i don't even know where to start but one I think one point that's quite key to all that is that aspect of self-empowerment right Mm -hmm. and the notion of so because we were talking a lot about that we're giving away our power and just trust that You know, the people in the white coats or the politicians, they know best how to fix this. But in the end, we actually got to go back to our own intuition, so to say, right? Mm There's this really amazing documentary about um, American war veterans that were um, on PTSD medication and lots of it and could swap all of that first for... Um, for wheat or for cannabis and then even get rid of that by taking ayahuasca so i mean that level to what to what plant medicine can really actually not just take you off all that medicine but also then get you off medicine whatsoever and just you know be by yourself and you know i would just be curious to hear a bit more from your perspective on not just plant medicine but like any kind of self-empowerment tool that you've worked with and that's you know you've also been working with with other people because i also know that you've been running retreats so Mm -hmm. you can go a bit further into that direction
1: yeah um so the ultimate self-empowerment tool i would say is consciousness itself it's like the uh most people especially in western culture are completely identified with the thinking mind they're completely lost within a conceptual apparatus a, a web a web of concepts they're sort of so the thinking mind or or the ego our thought process can be thought of as basically like an autonomic bio survival process that is just kind of of running all the time and we've in the West, we've misidentified this, um, this bio survival process, this monkey mind as the pinnacle of intelligence in the universe. Basically we, we've put it on this pedestal and said, um, this is the pinnacle of intelligence. Um, you know, this thing has given us automobiles and iPods. So clearly, which actually it's, it's kind of debatable whether, Visionary downloads of technologies come first from a place beyond the monkey mind, and then the monkey mind kind of puts the the pieces together but that 's another discussion but but basically the one of the defining experience of my experiences of my life has been the gradual realization that I am not uh the monkey mind that I am not this um, this kind of out of control thought process, especially in the west since we've put this since we 've put thought on such a pedestal, we ten, our thought processes tend to just be out of control, and most people 's minds are running twenty four seven and most people are completely identified with um, this thought process at the expense of being con- being connected to what is beyond the mind, which is <clears throat> the deeper older more ancient intelligences of the body, of the heart, of the intuition, and of consciousness itself. There's really this one way that a lot of the great mystics and teachers throughout history have talked about it is that there's this space of pure consciousness or pure awareness that resides beyond um, thought. And within this, you can think of it almost as like the space in which all phenomena arise, including. Thought, including even the story you tell yourself about who you are, um, Pema Chodron puts it this way: "You are the sky, and everything else is just the weather." Um, so when you nice when hour. you actually <laughs> yeah, so when you actually start to realize and remember that you are the sky, you gain a capacity to hold space for whatever is arising. Um, that. Uh, that you, your capacity to hold space for whatever is arising just increases, increases massively. Um, and by, by that, I mean that basically the sky, the space of pure awareness, it has a perpetual frequency of sort of infinite spaciousness and imperturbable peace and kind of vastness. There's nothing that can disturb it. And when you when you start to connect with that dimension of of awareness, and there are a lot of different modalities that can put you in touch with this um, initially, you know, meditation, breathwork, yoga, ecstatic dance, fasting, uh, plant medicines. These are all psychotechnologies where you can begin to develop a space around the monkey mind when you have the ability to just drop back at any time just close your eyes and meditate and and dissolve thought and go into that space of pure spacious peace you can then you can then just cope with with basically anything you can do de- you become vastly more resilient you can deal with whatever is arising so when i think of self-empowerment i think first and foremost about transcending the mind, going beyond the mind and beyond um, total identification with conscious rational thought to discover that space of pure awareness. And the other thing about that space, once you begin to dwell in that space, in that space of silence and stillness, you realize that that is also your direct connection to your deepest kind of innate wisdom, which is really the the wisdom of of nature itself flowing through you. As you begin to have more of these experiences of going beyond the mind, you you start to realize that we're not living in a cold, dead, random, indifferent accident of a universe. Rather, we're living in a in a living, breathing, intelligent, natural, evolutionary process that is permeated with with intelligence and consciousness. It's it's literally, I mean, my current sense is that consciousness is more fundamental than matter itself and that consciousness is permeated with a level of intelligence that just goes so far beyond the the comprehension of um, rational primate minds. And, you know, you can have a direct experience of this intelligence when you, when you have mystical experiences and things like this and, and using some of the modalities that I just listed. But when you start to connect with that, that is the most empowering thing that can happen to you because then you realize, oh, I have a voice of truth. I have a direct connection within me to the intelligence of all that is. I can actually, within myself, most fundamentally, I can feel and know what is right for me and what I am being asked to do and what what my wisdom is and my truth is you you experience the most empowering fundamental reorientation where your most basic compass for navigating life becomes the voice of truth within your own heart and soul rather than outsourcing this to you know some some guy in a lab or some uh some newscaster on high who's you know fear mongering and and you you actually your your capacity to not be manipulated or programmed or um, taken advantage of increases massively as a result of this as a result of getting in touch with your own fundamental bodily heart, spiritual, intuitive intelligence, whatever you want to call it, your inner sense as Osho called it, or, or your innate knowingness as David Hawkins called it. Um, so yeah, those are some thoughts.
0: <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I mean, one thing though that I was wondering about, you know, as we were talking, we're, we're kind of now talking about the individual level, right? And everybody taking care of themselves and taking care of their relation to consciousness and I think that's obviously super important but then we're kind of looking at like a bottom-up approach right that you know if everybody Mm. took care of their own consciousness and their own monkey mind then probably we would be we would be Mm. much better off than we are right now but at the same time I mean, I would just assume it's quite unlikely that within a short amount of time, everybody's going to switch into that Mm. mode and going to be doing yoga and meditation. So, I mean, another way, I think, to look at it is to think about, well, now who are the keynotes that are actually influential for system change? And then we've been talking about how there's a lot of people that have, I mean, either bad intentions or that are in some kind of in a puppet situation where they're not Mm -hmm. really, you know, in in that true power, you know, like politicians that are being bribed or whatever that might be. Now, what's your view on um, the, you know, psycho-activating more on that level of leaders, Mm -hmm. innovators and people that are in decision-making power and that could eventually have, you know, a larger impact Mm -hmm. on the system?
1: Yeah. I think it's a I think it's a fantastic idea to attempt to um bridge the gap between the the kind of mainstream rational um respectable western paradigm in which a lot of these influencers and innovators and leaders exist bridge that gap between the plant medicine world and them so that not just the plant medicine world, but the world of these kind of psycho technologies of you know often ancient psycho technologies, because yeah, the more that we can get those people kind of kind of doing this work, <clears throat> those people who have such great um influence and power, then the more you know one would assume the faster that we can begin to course correct to a wiser trajectory as a global civilization and um yeah, I think of Synthesis Retreat, the retreat in the Netherlands, um, co-founded by a friend of mine, Martijn Scherp. Their their mission from early on has been to create a retreat that is um, working with the cutting edge of psychedelic science. They're working with Imper- Imperial College London to design retreats that really have a more kind of um, modern – Scientific um, flavor to them in order to attract uh, entrepreneurs and innovators and high level influencers well that's that's just that's been one aim of theirs um, is to create an environment that's that's friendly to those type of people because part of their their mission part of their understanding is that um, if we can get you know some of these higher level people doing this work, then that's very likely to be a powerful catalyst for Accelerating the course correction on this planet. Although, my sense is also that it's, it can't, the course correction or the, the paradigm shift that we need to undergo really, it, it's not like if we just got a few politicians to drink ayahuasca, everything would suddenly change. It's, I think things are just far more interconnected than that. The, the leaders that we currently have are simply a direct reflection. Of our, our current level of collective consciousness. I mean, we've, one way or another, we've given the power to these people. We've put them in that position. So if, if you suddenly, you know, had a few of them um, start to start to wake up and start to break out of a story of separation and, and realize the deeper truth of a story of of interbeing and interconnectedness, that would likely have some positive effects. But without Without a larger scale shift in the collective consciousness of planet earth, i don't think that that would be sustainable. I think those people would just be um, killed or over or overthrown or um, you know elbowed out of the way by people who were more yeah were still more in tune with the pulse of the previous momentum of the collective and so that's why I think we really i think I think global system change is downstream of of um, individual individual consciousness work i just don't i don't think i think group identities that we project are are fundamentally like projections that we're we're overlaying over top the fundamental unit of humanity which is the individual I really think everything begins with the individual. And I think until we reach a critical mass of individuals that have um, begun to embrace a new story and enter into a new consciousness paradigm, then we can't, we won't, we won't see lasting, a lasting shift happen in terms of our global systems. And I think when we do reach that critical mass, um, a lot of these systems changes will begin to happen organically in a way that will feel more more frictionless than than people might have imagined it's like I don't know it's it's it reminds me of like when the student is ready the teacher appears or something like this it's like that something can't happen before its moment has come but when its moment has come there there's nothing that can stop it And that's not to say we will still need actors out there implementing these changes and doing the the things in the physical world to to sort of implement what has happened in the collective consciousness. But I really think of external physical events as almost like newspaper headlines broadcasting what has already occurred in the collective consciousness and collective imagination. So it's like once the collective reaches that level of shift – um, yeah, this, these dominoes will just start to fall more, more organically leading to r- likely uh, regenerative, omni-win-win, decentralized, anti-fragile global systems. Those are some adjectives that I think suggest the direction that we're, we're being called to go in. Um, so, yeah,
0: I think it's really interesting what you're saying. Um. And also that aspect about um, critical mass, because I think that's, you know, it's different philosophies of how change works, Mm -hmm. right? The idea that, you know, it can be top-down or it has to be bottom-up and, I mean, all these different perceptions. But, I mean, then, you know, if if you say what you just said, then I would be curious, what do you think would be the most powerful way to actually reach a critical Mm -hmm. mass?
1: Well... I do think there's something to that idea I mentioned earlier of species level panic response. Um, this is kind of a, a pragmatic, maybe slightly um, cynical way of looking at things, but it seems like the vast majority of people do not really start to wake up and deeply question their reality and reclaim their sovereignty until until they're forced to in some way, like like the the reaper comes and knocks on their door and they actually directly feel in their own lives or in the lives of their loved ones, they actually feel the level of, um, global, global crisis that we've, we've been facing in a mounting way across recent decades. So I think, um, you know, there's, there's still, I'm, I'm absolutely in favor of, you know. Attempting to voluntarily do this work and for the people who are who are feeling the call to start doing this work to You know implement programs and retreats and um, centers and experiences where people can use psychotechnologies to start to become awakened leaders embodying a new paradigm and shifting things but I really don't think the vast mass of humanity starts to wake up to the reality of our, our deep interconnectedness and the the fragility of our current human paradigms and human civilization until that fragility starts to become deeply felt in their individual lives. And so that's why I think this present moment with coronavirus, um, whatever is going on in this very bizarre um, kind of <laughs> Rorschach test that we're, that we're seeing that people are projecting so many different narratives onto whatever is going on we can say that there's some kind of massive global shakeup happening a massive disruption of normalcy and a massive kind of shockwave of survival level fear that's that's sweeping across the world and causing a lot of people to snap out of the status quo and snap out of their typical going through the motions and start asking some deeper questions about wait what is really going on on this planet at this time why are our civilizations being um stress tested so deeply by this thing why why don't we have greater resilience why have we all been just fighting amongst ourselves so much at this in point in history why aren't we collaborating more deeply what is the real purpose of human life why am i here what is the purpose of my life these are the these are the lines of inquiry that ultimately lead to profound self empowerment through remembering one's own innate wisdom. So I think an event like this has the potential to begin to produce that critical mass. Um although my sense is that this this is kind of a test run of of larger things that are to come. And I don't I don't foresee the coronavirus system being sufficient um sufficiently catalytic to um you know catalyze massive global systems change, although there's definitely a lot of potential for for good good shifts, um, powerful shifts to come out of this. So, you know, let's do as much as we can with it. But I think it's events like this that are going to be needed for humanity to really kind of, you know, slap itself in the face and, and wake up and say, okay, yeah, we actually need to um, fundamentally shift some things here.
0: So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I can very much relate to that. And it actually reminds me of something that one um, yoga teacher of mine said at a um, when I was in, at a yoga ashram. And he said, well, if you talk to people here at the ashram, nine out of ten of them will tell you that there was a profound crisis that got them into the more intense mm-hmm. study of yoga and meditation. I think that's what you're saying, right? That on the individual level, that's what, what people need, right? Like some kind of... Shock that makes them question some of the fundamental beliefs that they actually hold, and then that has you know is happening both on the individual level, but Mm then also on the systems level to some extent. Um, But yeah, what I actually um, what I actually wanted to touch on as well, because you were talking about critical mass and about you know about larger groups of people, I was also thinking about um, community and culture, because that's to some extent also related, right? That You create Mm. cultures, you change cultures, and, I mean, to some extent, you can then also think about cultures that are doing things already differently Mm. and where there is a critical mass taking differently. So if you look, for example, at indigenous cultures where the majority of them, I mean, I would say, is still sticking to some more profound values than... A lot of what was happening in the West, so I would be curious to hear your view on mm. the role of culture and also different cultures reacting in different ways to situations mm-hmm. like the one that we're currently in
1: yeah, great question. I think um cultures cultures are almost like organisms or the or operating systems <clears throat> they're like their own smaller collective intelligence, um, nested within the larger global collective intelligence. And so, uh, I think, I think it's, I think it's absolutely a really powerful approach to bring to the forefront cultures that are rooted in a wiser, um, more sustainable, um, set of paradigms, kind of highlight those indigenous cultures at this time, um, and also innovate and create our own cultures that are doing similar things. Like I I was just at the Pachamama um, eco community in Costa Rica. Um, They have this, I think there are a couple hundred people living there usually at any given time, and they're really living in an extremely sustainable way. And it's almost like being on perpetual retreat being there because there's yoga and meditation and classes every day um and people are really yeah exemplifying and innovating a new paradigm of living there and so i think um this is a powerful way that individuals who have begun to to shift into a new paradigm can band together and create these kind of larger organisms or these larger um mimetic systems that can potentially amplify the signal beyond what any of the individuals of the group could do to have more influence in the in the collective consciousness and and spread more of these signals that another way of life is possible um similar to how individuals can also do this by just you know using the incredible tools, broadcasting tools that we're now all empowered with, everyone with a high-speed internet connection, at least, to kind of spread those signals. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think culture innovation is a great approach to, to accelerating the kind of quantum leap or phase shift that we need to undergo, I would say, yeah. Mm,
0: cool. Um, yeah, I think we're coming slowly to an end of our podcast episode. Um, I have one more, more like a spontaneous um, association question. And that is, you know, everybody of us is facing certain complexity in our lives that, that touch us most deeply. And I'd be curious to hear from you, what's the complexity that you're seeing either outside in the world or in your own life that touches you most deeply and that you most mm. want to work on?
1: Um that's that's hard to say because I would say I'm really kind of a, a a big picture guy. I really like looking at the entire picture of where planet Earth is at at this moment in history and then that has led me to the conclusion that fundamentally working at the level of the healing and liberation of individual consciousness or, or in group work and also innovating cultures that are, that are based on, um, the healing and liberation of consciousness to move to a new paradigm is the most fundamental, like the most fundamentally powerful thing that I can be doing to, or that I, that I feel called to do at this moment in history to kind of contribute. Um, and as well, that's also just what, makes me come alive. I think, I think the thing that, the role that you're meant to be playing, whoever, whoever's listening to this at this moment, you can, you can hone in on that role by finding what really makes you come alive. It's like your, your true role that you're meant to play is not going to deaden you inside. It's going to make you come alive and bring you joy. Um, And so, yeah, it's really kind of the big picture. Although I will say that at the moment I'm given this coronavirus situation and given the responses I'm seeing to it, it is awakening in me a deeper realization of and a deeper kind of fire around realizing the the dangers of kind of mass groupthink or kind of um, the madness of crowds and realizing that even more deeply, I mean, I've been talking about this for years, but I'm seeing it more clearly than ever now how group dogmas are really the most dangerous thing to humanity when we've got huge masses of people that are not connected to their innate wisdom that are just completely outsourcing their own wisdom and sense making to, um, to dogmatic external authorities this is when we end up with huge, huge crowds that are willing to commit atrocities in the name of some gospel and some dogma. And I'm, as I said earlier, I'm seeing that right now in terms of the complete subservience by so many people and complete submission to this kind of monotheism of the, the present Western medical paradigm and the present, uh, scientific orthodoxy. And so And so for me, yeah, that, that realization and just wanting to plant seeds of uncertainty wherever I can and like, like crack, create crack, cracks in dogmas is a really, is a really big one. And as well, just, um, spreading the signal about the blind spots and dysfunctions of Western medicine. I think this is a great point to focus on because I'm, I'm now seeing, That this is one of the most deeply rooted modern dogmas and modern religions as people just giving away their sovereignty and their authority completely to a relatively new mode of of healing and medicine that is just fundamentally working on a very surface level a lot of the time and is is viewing us as machines rather than as these really complex, um, psycho-spiritual, physical systems, um, so yeah, this is causing me to go deeper to look more deeply at medicine and healing. I just downloaded a couple books. One is "Own Yourself" by Kelly Brogan, and one is "Regenerate" by Sayer G. These are a couple of kind of renegade um, holistic, holistic healer philosopher people who have done amazingly deep kind of research to illuminate the blind spots and the dysfunction of the dominant Western medical paradigm and attempt to drive toward a more powerful, uh, synthesis of the existing science and while also integrating spiritual and holistic, um, and, uh, ancient psychotechnologies. So those are a couple books I could point people in the direction of, but yeah, I think that approximates, yeah, what I feel about that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh <laughs> thanks, yeah, and I mean, I love that you just brought up that point of the interconnectedness and yeah. I mean re- regeneration to some extent, because I think that's interesting because it doesn't just link to the Western medicine paradigm but also to everything like every culture and like to how we how we deal not just with our own bodies but also with the planet, mm. so I think that's a nice note to Beautiful. end with actually, yeah. Thank you very much. That was like a hugely <laughs> interesting discussion. And yeah, wishing you all the best in this current ongoing corona situation.
1: Yeah, you as well. Thank you so much for having me.
0: <laughs> Thank you for listening to PsyX, the systemic psychedelic podcast.